1: Welcome, everybody, to the Value Clarity Podcast, where we talk about customer focus and more importantly, customer perceived value and all of the things it takes for a company to increase the value in all the ways you can. Today, I am thrilled to have a real old friend, Bob Truxas. Bob, welcome.
0: Thank you. It's good to be here.
1: Bob is the leader, founder of American Liberator Aerospace, which is uh, primarily an injection molding shop here in the states in the state of Arizona and uh, he's been at a couple different companies in that role and it's been a real interesting journey for you especially the last uh, year or two right Bob yeah
0: absolutely it's about 35 years in plastics now so months. tell tell us a
1: little bit about your journey
0: well I you know I I actually wanted to go into medical sales once upon a time and I got talked into selling connectors, which is injection molded. And that was kind of as back in 81. And uh, from then on, I've been involved with injection molding one way or the other. And uh, through AMP and WL Gore and IBM. And then, you know, finally my own, you know, I bought out a company 15 years ago. And uh, we do uh, custom injection molding. So we're we're in 14 different industries, and it's uh, never a dull moment.
1: Yeah, so people who don't understand injection molded, right? it's, it's anything molded out of plastic for a variety of different things, right? You make the, uh, from the little shark fin that sits on top of a, a car that encloses the antenna to uh, housings for, for um, heating and cooling, uh, other kinds of just little parts, right?
0: Right, right. We make everything. Like we'll make we make a, uh, a thing for steel chainsaw to sharpen the thing. It's the whole holds a little molder that does the sharpener. We make uh, um, commercial shade hardware that holds that all together. We make uh, skylights. We do uh, evaporative coolers. We do uh, pumps. We do switches for uh, various types of industrial. Companies and uh, so when we do military, like we we do parts for the Bradley tank, and we do uh, um, some aviation type things. And that's you know we went after American Liberator Aerospace uh, primarily because my dad flew flew a Liberator in World War II So it was uh, it was a B twenty four, and uh, he was shot down during the Battle of Bulge, and and it was a prisoner of war, and it was kind of it was a hu- hundred. Birthday, he had passed away when he was 88. It's like, well, let's let's honor it. So we honored him with Liberator, and uh, then we thought, well, you know, Liberator. There's like a thousand Liberators. So I thought, well, maybe I'll just be the American Liberator. And it's like, well, there's like 10,000 American Liberators. So it became American Liberator Aerospace. So <laughs> one long email, but we're the only one.
1: So. Yeah. Now. Uh, you and I have known each other since 88, 1988, oh, when we were at Gore together. And, uh, when you first took on this injection molding house, you know, you had gone from some high end, very technical, highly differentiated product to a, a doggone injection molding shop and injection molding seems like to the outside world seems like a commodity but you and I know that there's no such thing as a commodity. Um, and so uh, I wanna take you like before COVID and after COVID and before COVID, you still differentiated yourself. And so how was that? What did you differentiate on?
0: Well, um, really what we, what we have kind of been known for is uh, we get involved with engineering and do design and we help design parts so they're more manufacturable. And I know that's kind of a trendy, old, you know, design for manufacture. Um, but that's that's what we really do. And then it, and plastic, uh, it's, it's real important because you can make just about anything on a plastic injection molded, but the tools get more and more expensive because when you inject that plastic in there, it solids up, all that steel has to come out of the way. So you can make things and everything, but it's going to cost you a lot of money to get the tool done. So you might develop a tool that's 80, $90,000 when you could have, if you paid attention at design time, you made it an open and shut, which means the tool just opens and shut. It doesn't, uh, doesn't have any slides or moving or anything. So steel just gets out of the way on its own. And uh, then that tool is like $20,0, $30,000. All of a sudden, we're competitive with uh, China and Taiwan and you know Costa Rica and everything on the cost of a tool because we've redesigned it so it's not an eighty, ninety thousand dollar tool. Which you know when you go foreign, it might be a forty thousand or a thirty thousand dollar tool. All of a sudden, we're competitive because we've designed it the right way so that it uh, allows it to be open and shut, which makes the part less expensive, makes the tool less expensive, so it makes people more competitive that you know are buying it so and we we work with u.s companies we do sell um, some of our stuff gets exported into mexico and into china actually some of our parts go from here to mexico and over to china and uh, we originally competed head to head with china um, to get that and that was one of the times where we did um, the design work up front so it was an open and shut tool and we did eight cavities so every you know minute we were shooting out about 16 parts versus china shooting about one out a minute so the value that we had to do is we took the labor out of everything that we could so as as um, and that's i mean a lot of people say why would you pick plastic injection molding and uh, it's machine driven and it's about everything's made out of plastic so i looked at it as an enabler business to develop our own products and, yeah, uh,
1: so you, you started to develop your own products, and I want to get to that, but the way you differentiated yourself was the service, the engineering, and design for manufacturability, design for efficiency, making your customers more efficient by making your operation more efficient, and great differentiation, but you also used to talk about being made in America, or being an American made and and trying to wrap yourself around the American flag and and get people to buy you based on some patriotic stuff. And um, I think it's fair to say that only went so far.
0: Well, that's one of those things where, you know, all things equal you buy from a friend. So you buy American if it's not too much more expensive. Yeah. A lot of people are willing to spend a little bit more. And, you know, the thing is that, you know, from a value standpoint, you have a higher quality product typically when it's made in the U S versus when it's made, you know, offshore and uh, you know, China is known for, you know, it's good enough. And, you know, we don't like having something only last one year and you have to throw it out, but that's kind of what, you know, society's hit on is that they'll buy the really cheap one doesn't last. And then, you know, hopefully they come back to a more value proposition where it's like, Hey, I want to buy a good one and uh, i was just thinking about that i bought uh, was redoing my pool and uh, you know you can't find anything made in america for the pool i mean we we did find parts made in america but the reason we bought them wasn't because they were made in america it was because they were better parts they 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 made it you know thicker walled and they used better material than the ones that were out of china and uh, the ones out of china don't last you know they last like one season out here in the sun and uh, it's just a matter of using the right materials, which, you know, when you're, when you're pricing this thing out, you're only talking like 10 cents of material difference in the part. Yeah, and You're not yeah. talking dollars, you're talking pennies. And it's like are yeah. yeah. it right.
1: Yeah, so now I wanna step forward into uh, the world changed suddenly in uh, February of 2020 um, and COVID hit and supply chains, Uh, Suddenly, all those long supply chains from China, we we suddenly, we we first found it out with PPE, right? All the masks that were all made in China, and we hardly had any. And uh, we were, there's big news stories about the, the small number of local plants trying to put their foot on the gas. But all kinds of parts were, went missing because import changed. And imagine a tiny little part that goes on to a Bradley fighting vehicle, not being there anymore. You can't you can't deliver a thirty five million dollar tank, or because there's a tiny little piece of plastic missing, and it's got to sit on the line or sit at, at unfinished goods and be retrofitted. Um, suddenly, those long supply chains, those long interruptible supply chains which was a theoretical possibility before, suddenly that became real. And um, you told me some stories of some people who said, we just, we just, Bob, we finally get it. We wanna buy from you, is that right?
0: Yeah, it, it, uh, typically they had already been buying from us for some, but not all of their things. And uh, so they're trying to move more things now. And we kind of, the COVID actually was uh, an opportunistic time for us um, not only going after customers, but really going after personnel, um, because a lot of places closed, and uh, it, it left out in the cold. Kind of some really high-end people, engineering-wise, and uh, machine shop. And we're building our tools in-house, and uh, so we do design of part tool, and then build the tool. Then we run the parts in-house. So we're we're uh, when we, we bought, there were 17,000 injection molders in the United States in uh, 2006. And uh, now there's less than 3,000 left. And uh, we just got beat up by the Chinese because they came in and, you know, everybody, I mean, like 10 years ago, your neighbor would say, hey, you got to go to China and make your stuff. And the, uh, it, it just was kind of the whole attitude was that that's how business is being done and, uh, a global, uh, view. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, we built our tools over there, you know, when, when I was with Gore, I, I built some tools. I even built some cable over there at one point and, uh, not with great success, we had real problems with the cable, but, you know, there was the, the thought that, Hey, we, we can get labor out of these things. This is, you know, I mean, I, I think I bought my first tool in 91 out of China and, uh, the tool locally was a $50,000 tool and uh, one of the senior engineers at Gore really wanted to go to China and he had been with Gore for like 30 years. And it's like, well, you know, we can check it out. So we got, we designed the tool and everything. We sent it over to be quote, they came back with a quote for $1,500, This $50,000 tool for 50, I'm like, can't be, can't be a real tool by three so we can run it. You know, like when it breaks we can go out and get a real tool made if if that's what it is and the first one came in and it was beautiful it, you know they they followed our design completely they used really high quality materials and it was fifteen hundred dollars and uh i didn't go oh, you know we're gonna we're gonna put all our mold builders out of business i went wow chinese government's subsidizing me because we're getting cheap tools you know and so you get lulled in the idea that, hey, you know, only way, and really when I took this business over, we couldn't be competitive on tooling locally. Um, we we're always uh, about 70% higher than what we were getting out of China. And uh, the thing is, is that you learn that China really made terrible tools. They used bad steel. I mean, there was all kinds of stuff. We we ended up where we specified uh, German, you know, European and uh, Japanese steel uh, so that we got quality steel and I, you know, I mean, you can debate about whether the certs are real or not, but um, I knew a guy for probably, well, it goes all the way back to the war days of China. Um, I knew the guy, you know, 25, 26 years and I was telling him I wanted European steel. He goes, would it be okay to use uh, that cheap German steel? I'm like, I Think that's kind of an oxymoron. I don't think there's any cheap German anything. Cheap German steel. <laughs> and uh, he goes, no. What's going on is the the Chinese government was sending the ore over to Germany, and Germany just converted it. So he only had to pay for the conversion, not for any of the ore. So it was cheap German steel. I'm like, yeah, I'll take cheap German steel. That sounds really good. And it was. It was amazing. You know, we'd check the Rockwell and everything when it came in. It was was really good steel. I mean, the Germans know how to make steel. And, uh, you know, so they were, you know, it's it's just one way that the playing field was not level. And uh, it was very tough to compete with that. So you have to look at what's your value locally. And and uh, the thing is, is, you know, like we were just talking, uh,
1: we're choking distance. Most of our businesses, yeah.
0: within, you know, so- 30 miles.
1: Yeah, I you I love that saying, choking distance, right? When something goes wrong, and it's China, um, the getting it fixed is nigh unto impossible. And so you've got that great saying: you want you want your supplier to be within choking distance, so you can <laughs> make something happen.
0: Hey, you know, Murphy Murphy uh, was in manufacturing, and uh, so anything that can go on will go go on. And that's that's manufacturing in general, yeah. and uh, so having someone local so you can sit down, you can you know get all the causes and what's going on, so you can figure out how to fix it. You know, you fix it in like a half day or something versus you know a month or weeks. You know.
1: Okay, so let's let's pull at that thread a little bit. What is the, what does it cost one of your customers besides just the aggravation? What does it really cost a customer? when they can get something resolved in day or days rather than weeks or months. What happens at a customer when they've got bad parts? What happens what happens in the customer's business?
0: I mean you have shortages and everything and you know we we've pretty much convinced, you know, our customers that poking distance is the way to go because um, in some instances, what what happened that we picked up customers is that they heard we were competitive with China. So they would bring their tooling that they built in China, which doesn't make it a tool that you can run here because it's that one cavity tool that runs one part every 60 seconds. So guess what? We're way more expensive. So it has to be redesigned. You know, and the thing is, is that a lot of it is just being lazy as far as you know we take a product say here build this for me
1: and yeah when labor's free you can make that kind of a dual decision yeah
0: i mean i was over there with uh, ibm and and uh there was a uh a production line and we had an idea for a fixture and uh we told them about it cuz there was a, a quality issue and they uh there's like 10 or 11 engineers ran over listened to the one guy look like a huddle like a football huddle and uh, they all talked about it took off and like within 30 minutes they had a fixture built ready to go like wow that was it was just amazing that was you know that was because they've flown engineers over there to sit and
1: be in china yeah so going back to what happens when when you've got choking distance and uh, talking about line down, the line interruptions, and for the want of a couple of parts that might you might ha- sell them for less than a buck a piece, um, they're line down or they it's disrupting their manufacturing or their schedule, and they've got to call their customers and apologize, and and all of those that cascade of awful things that can happen because of a fifty cent part.
0: Right, and, and- well, well, China makes them buy larger quantities as well like where we're doing like adjusting time so you know like one of our local oh,
1: swell so you've got fifty thousand crappy parts. parts on hand exactly how how did that how did that make your life how does that bring you back to life how does that bring your <laughs> right i've got a giant bin of bad parts doesn't mean my production line goes that just means i've got to be moving more crap out of the way yes
0: yeah, it's, so, it's, it's a difficult problem but You know, a lot of play, I mean, people have been dealing with it for 20 years now. So they have pretty good systems on how to do that and what way to go. And right now we're being shoved back into that corner into, uh, you know, going offshore with things. You know, I mean, nobody wants to, but I mean, inflation's, I mean, it's crazy right now. I get a price increase. I think just while we're on here, I just got a ding telling me that that ABS, one of them, it just went up another 30 cents a pound. And uh, it's it's. It's insane how I mean, like we were paying a dollar five and uh we're at three fifty a pound. You know, wow. I mean I, I, well I hear about you know, wood went up a hundred percent and metal went up and it's like whoop dee doo, man, plastic's like tripling and you know, it's there's shortages and like you can't even get it, even if you're if you're willing to pay the three fifty or whatever, you still can't get it. So, you know, it's that you know, mine's a dollar five too and
1: You know, (laughs) mine's a dollar five when I'm out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, another thing that you do in your shop is that everybody on the floor understands the customer situation and you get ideas, you get improvement ideas and innovation from everybody on your entire cell. And that's because you've given everybody on the floor a view into the customer's business. Tell, I mean, tell, do you have any stories of something that somebody did, something cool that somebody did um, as a result yeah, of that Matt,
0: principle? Actually, many of them. But the uh, uh, the thing is, is that you got to realize it's it's part of the value statement actually is each person, you know, it's a contribution level or whatever you want to call it. It's how much value they can put in from what they're doing. And, and we've automated and... Uh, we, you know, we're machine driven as it is. So we've taken people so they learn how to operate more than one machine at a time. So that, you know, cause that, that's a cost that's continued to go up. You know, we've gone from, you know, 15 years ago, it was, we were at $5 and 45 cents an hour for an employee to where it's twelve fifteen minimum wage. And, uh, I think the least we pay anybody is like $35,000 a year with benefits, which is still, You can't, they don't live alone. I mean, they have to have like at 35,000, you can't afford an apartment and a car. You know, 45 is barely getting past that. So we're continually trying to improve their output so that we get it. But they come up with ideas once they realize what the game is and that they get rewarded based on, you know, them being able to produce more parts out of of themselves. Um, I remember at Gore, we had one, it was uh, the flat. Flat cable, flat conductor. Um, We were making it for airbags for inside wheels. And, uh, you know, we we were running it up single. Well, a guy on the line said, Hey, why don't we slit six, you know, go six wide and slit it out? And uh, next thing you know, we were the world's low cost producer of flat conductor, flat cable, and uh, really took a lot of that market, the airbag market and everything but it was because of this guy that, you know, you're sitting back there and he actually did it on, on his own time. He, he made a little fixture to guide the material and uh, you know, we got the machine shop there and, and uh, got some tools up, made some tooling that would make it work. And you know, then they started preheating the conductors. I mean, there was a lot of things that came uh, right off the line and uh, we've had many of them here where the employees recognize ways to take time out of things that they're doing.
1: Yeah, you know, you just reminded me of a story of a fella I knew that started Barefoot Wines and he believes in the two division company, their sales and sales support. Um, and he, he actually gave his entire business model to every one of his employees on their first day saying, here's how much we sell a bottle of wine, here's how much it sells for, in the store and here's how much the distributor gets and here's how much we get and here's how much we have to pay the driver and here's how much you know and here's how much and here's how much so here is the money we have left over to pay our employees including you if you want more money show us help us figure out a way to take costs out of one of these things or to get more money and we'd be thrilled to share it with you and um so All kinds of ideas came when he did that and you're doing something very much like that. Everybody knows what the goal is and everybody gets that we're trying to drive labor out and here's different ways we might be able to do that or drive costs out. Um, That is making sure in a, a business like yours that is Yes, you can differentiate and yes, you can charge a little bit more, but you're still very cost driven, especially in a in an environment with increasing raw material cost. You've got to be super cost driven. Um, Something you said kind of drove me to another question, and that is now we're kind of back into the, the old pre covid days where people learned the lesson of covid, but they only learned that lesson for about 12, 13 months. And now, yeah. right now, now they're trying to uh, go back to the way it was. And is there any way to like, keep that memory fresh in their mind? Are you, is there anything you can do?
0: You know, I, I think that the real key is, is, is to be global competitive. Just, you know, if, if, if you're there and you're selling at a price and at a value that um, is equal or better then you know you're going to win the business, and I mean, people are. I mean, like, hey, I I try. You know, I'm an American manif- I'm a fifth generation American manufacturer, and it's like, I want to buy American whenever I can. But you know, all the time I I can pick something up. You know, this laptop that's in front of you is made in China. The mouse is made in China. The, you know, the screen's made in China. I mean, there's so many things manufactured in China right now it's pretty hard to say, well, I want to buy American because it's not visible. And there, yeah. are, there, are, there are sites that are, you know, buy American and everything, but when you go on there, you know, it seems like, well, geez, this, is, this isn't is a license to rip me off. You know, I've, I want a good product at a fair price. So yeah, that's, I, that's the yeah, challenge, really.
1: I love what you just said. You know, if you, if you have the value that takes care of itself. Forget having to remind customers of, of the bad old days when the world shut down. It, you have to have value, period. Yeah. What a great uh, principle. Is there anything else you want to talk about um, before we shut it down?
0: No, I think, uh, you know, everything is really cut out for us to go out there and and uh, compete right now, because we are going back to where it's going to be tough And we're seeing such pure inflation. I've never, I don't think I've ever experienced it like this. And, you know, I'm looking at my people and it's like, I really need to come up with ways of giving them more money so that they can just put food on the table. And it's not, it's not easy because we don't have more money. So it's like, we're already, so we have to continue to improve our value and our efficiencies so that, you know, everybody can make more money.
1: That's uh, a great place to end it on bob thank you uh for your time uh thanks for your wisdom and thanks everybody for joining us on the value clarity podcast where as you know value exists only in your customer's mind so your success is really all about what happens between somebody else's ears thanks and have a high value day well it ain't easy cause values in your buyer's brain if you're selling on only your features, you're gonna drive over you insane. And if you ignore your customers outcomes, you're bound to be paying your dues, cause you'll be singing those old don't know value, blue.